Join me every month for the inspiration to find your finish line. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another edition of Find Your Finish Line, presented by Activice, the official topical relief partner of Iron Man, where you can find Activice on Amazon.com, at Walmart, and Ironman.com. Keep in mind, this podcast is not only about you being able to find your finish line at a race, but also in life. I'll talk with successful people who have overcome all kinds of tough odds to get to their finish line, both in sport and in life. And today, I've got the epitome of that in my guest. My guest is a three-time Olympian. He's a four-time ITU world champion. I remember seeing him at the Olympics in Sydney back in 2000, live, if you can believe that. He's gone 740 for the Ironman at Ironman South Africa. He is just one strong dude with a resolve that you just won't believe. Let's welcome 44-year-old Tim Don, everybody. How you doing, Tim? I'm doing really well, thank you. Yeah, thanks for having me. Really looking forward to this chat. Well, I, I love calling you the Don. And you know, the, the, <laughs> the, last, time, the last time we were together, uh, well, it was Kona, but where we did an interview, if you remember this, it was at the Boulder Theater at Ironman Boulder, I think it was in 2018 when we did that interview with On Running on the stage. That's right. Yeah, it was the uh, the premiere of the documentary on uh, made about yeah myself breaking my neck in Kona and the comeback. And yeah, no, I was yeah right. Um, it was great to, great to have you there. And then afterwards, yeah, we went on the stage and gave a chat. So no, that was it's funny. Sometimes I feel like it was yesterday, kind of like that chapter of my life. I know. And then sometimes I feel like whoa, it was it was a whole other life life ago because it's something so traumatic but um yeah that you kind of compartment we'll, we'll, it. we'll talk about that a little bit but i'm i'm the kind of likes talking about today and the future and let's what what are we doing moving forward but you did bring that halo up on stage because you lived with that thing for three or four months for goodness sakes to, uh to get back from your recovery of the crash in kona before that race in 2018. One thing you said to me there that really stuck with me, it was like uh, your friend but your worst enemy at the same time. Explain how that dichotomy of wearing that halo, you knew it was great for you, but it really sucked. <laughs> I mean, yeah, that's that, that's how it was. I mean, it's something that had to be done if I wanted any chance of coming back to race again, to have a re an active life with my young family. Um, but... The downside is not many people opt for the halo. Most people opt for the fusion, um, the operation, because it's it's over in a you know while you're asleep, and within a week, two weeks, you're back to normal virtually because they're just fusing the bones together with uh, with hardware. But um, obviously, having having the halo is is it, it had to be done. But no, in in that I, I genuinely say this: if something like that happened to me again, I don't think I could go go through with it. I think no, not knowing. <laughs> Not doing the research, I flew back from Hawaii virtually within 48 or 24 hours. Um, I saw the specialist in Boulder and literally he said, you know, you've got three choices, the halo, the fusion or a, a soft collar, but you have to go for this one because it gives you the best chance of success. I, I didn't know what a halo was. So I said, yep, you're the expert. Let's do it. Okay. And he goes, well, what? I said, well, I'll go and have coffee with my wife quickly because I haven't seen her for four weeks because I was in an Ironman camp pre you know pre kona so i went and had coffee and i said i was having a halo and she said what's this i said oh it's this thing goes around your head and you know and she went oh, okay no worries that's what they say it's sore i said yeah my neck's quite sore but my shoulder my knee um 
yeah, and then whew, everything turned on a dime when they started to screw those uh, bolts into my forehead. <laughs> yeah, I just, when you just said, Tim, if it happened again, you don't know if you could go through with it. I, I tell you what, I don't know if I or others I've talked to about it could have gone through with it. Uh, but your background of being the intense athlete you are, being the type of guy that always trying to get to that finish line, do you think your resolve of being that athlete and going through so many hurdles through your career got you through that time? Absolutely. I think when you're in the heat of the battle, whether it is, you know, the last 10K of an Ironman or, you know, going through what I went through with my broken neck, you're, you're so present that you don't see the bigger picture. Like for me at that moment, I just saw I had to get better. I wanted to get better. I, I, I wanted to quit on my terms and that was the process. And but then, you know, when you look back and you see how far you've come, whatever that is, sports, life, family, education, you know, for me with my neck, um, then it is definitely, you, you do you do definitely mm-hmm. think that, 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 that it is what you've done enables you to be who you are moving forward and the type of person and I think as I as as I'm getting a bit older I'm looking (laughs) I I look back you know just as much as I look forward at the moment so um yeah it, it, it is it is one of those things that yeah I think my athletic career definitely put me in good stead for that resilience that grit of, of wanting to, you know to to do the best for my family for me and for, for, for the triathlon community. Well, that resilience and grit then got you to the Boston Marathon in April of 2018, where you, I, the reason I know this time, the 249.52, my PR was 249.59. I needed to break 250 to qualify for Boston. And at a race in Arizona, I went 249.59. So when you went 249, I go, oh, I know what that's like, going right below the, the 250 mark, because that was, oh, magic, I believe that was your mark. goal to break 250, wasn't it? Well, yeah, I mean, they wanted a goal. I just wanted to to finish it. If I was genuinely honest, but <laughs> yeah. you know, you, you know, this high performance world we live in, um, you know, the amateurs as, as much, if not more, than the professionals. That um, people are asking, what time do you want to run? And I was like, yeah, I didn't want to say three hours. So I said, you know, I think I can run a two fifty, but it's it's a big ask. Genuinely, that is like that. that I'm not saying oh, I know I can easily run that, so I'm going to say that. You know, I genuinely thought three hours was very doable. But 250 was going to be right on the, the cusp of yes or no. And as you said, <laughs> it was very close. <laughs> and the weather was awful, which did not help that year. It was oh, torrential rain, ice cold. Yeah, it was really, really brutal conditions. Yeah, 2018 was the, was the worst watching that on, on TV. And then, uh, you know, all of a sudden, you had, to, you had to close the door, didn't you, Tim, on the Kona deal? Here, a year later, you come back. You know, having the opportunity to bring you across that finish line at eight hours and 45 minutes, it was like, in my mind, you won the race. Was it, was it like that in your mind where, damn it, I got back here, uh, I, I did the race. Yeah, sure, I didn't win or podium, but that 845 had to feel like one hell of a win to you. Oh, it did. I mean, I'm, I, I just being on the start line, I mean, um, also I had to qualify as well. And, um, I had, I had to do, so within, from breaking my neck to, to going to Kona 12 months later, I had to do two Ironmen, uh, plus three 70.3s just to get enough points as a professional to qualify. So for me, I felt like I'd won just by being there. 
And then the fact my wife was there and my daughter, that was their first time they'd been to Hawaii because it's such a big trip with a young family. And it's not, it is Hawaii, but it's not, not Hawaii as, as holiday people know it. I'd be in the zone. I'm not saying they wouldn't enjoy it, but you know, it's, it's a quite an intense period of time when you're an athlete, but I really wanted them to be there. And I'm so glad. And they were right there just past you on the finish line. So the the first people I saw was Kelly, my wife and Matilda, my daughter, our son, Hugo, he was only four at the time. And we were living in England. My wife was, had just moved back to England because we were in the process and it was too far for him to come as a four year old, um, for, Mm -hmm. I think they were only there six days. Um, so yeah, that, that, that meant, that meant a lot to me and it definitely was closing a chapter and I don't mean a chapter as in my athletic career, but kind of Kona is such an icon, it's such a, everyone has a story to tell about Kona and, you know, mine is, is no different to any others, but I, I, I felt I, I still had a chapter to write and by, by turning up in 2018, I, de- I definitely feel like I, I, I finished that, that book. Well, and, and to our listeners out there, I don't know if you realize, you know, Iron Man called Tim, said, hey, you know what, since you didn't qualify, hadn't qualified at that point, we can give you a spot because you were, you were at like 51st and they only took, you know, 50 men. And, and Tim says, no, 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 I, I gotta, I gotta go the, the way I have to go with qualification. And you did that. It showed the type of character you are, Tim, to, you know, not be given a spot and take it away from somebody else possibly and all that, you know, story. So congratulations on you being that type of person to go ahead and earn the spot because earning it is what it's all about, isn't it? Absolutely. I mean, that's why we do this sport. It, yes, someone has to win. Someone has to finish on the podium, but we all have that, that internal clock that is telling us how to beat our drum, how to, what we can get out of ourselves. And for me with Ironman, it just, it's just the focus of it because it's such an individual race. And I really wanted to earn that spot to get there. Um, you know, I'm very thankful, you know, for Ironman. Um, but I felt I owed it to myself that I'd come so far and I'd rather, I'd rather kind of die failing, you know, rather, rather, rather yeah. try and fail than never, never try at all. So, um, yeah, if anything, that, that gave me that extra, that extra motivation to really get there was to, to earn my spot on the, on the start line. Well, good for you. And Tim is in Lanzarote right now training for Tim Don, but I'm going to get to that in a second. Before we do, I love the part of your career right now where you're that manager, that coach. Let's talk Super League and the arena games. And, you know, it's all in unison with the ITU. And and here you're managing the team called the Eagles of, of the teams there. That has to be you know, it's not a full circle thing, but here you're still an athlete competing at the, at the highest level, but yet managing and coaching, that's got to be some great gratification for you. Oh, it is. I love it. I mean, I love being on that side of the fence. I coach Emma Pallant and um, Jeannie Metzler. Yes. So I coach two of the top women athletes in the world of 70.3. And I really love being a part of, of their journey, of their process and, um, you know, working with the Eagles, I've got Alex Yee, Jessica Learmoth, Taylor Spivey, Seth Ryder, um, with the current SLT champions. And, but I still also actually raced the first arena games in London last year. So yeah. they invited me to race. So I, so I was there racing and then seven months later, I'm managing the team. And I think having that insight of being current, I was, I knew the style of racing, the ferocity of it, the intensity, the you miss a second, you miss a, you know, a wheel here and there and your whole race can change. I really understood that. So, you know, I, I hope that came across in my managerial skills with the athletes in terms of, 
you know, getting them in the best place possible so they can execute their race. And as you said, you know, it's going to be a, an official world triathlon race now with the um, arena games, um, with a race mm-hmm. in London, Munich and the grand final in Singapore. Um, so, yeah, I, it's really nice. You know, in the 90s, I used to go to Australia in the European winters and I used to race what we called the St. George Formula One which was the yeah. super, you know, swim, bike, run, swim, bike, run. So I, I, I raced that when I was a teenager and now to come back and see it hopefully going global, it's, it's just another facet of triathlon that makes triathlon a wonderful sport. Yeah, when, you know, here from the States and, and knowing Welchi and they all would race over there and even a lot of the, uh, people like yourself and, and I'm trying to think Laura Bennett would go over there and race and, and everybody came back in such unbelievable shape, even though it's not the, you know, quote unquote, the long distance, but they just came back with this anaerobic ability to go out there and just burn the 70.3 courses. Uh, you still see that happening? Absolutely. I think we're seeing that crossover more and more. You've got, um, Indian Wells at the end of last year, you had Vince, you had Hella Gaines, the Belgium athlete, two amazing athletes that were at the Olympic Games. I think Hella Gaines is going to Dubai next weekend, 70.3 to race there. So, you know, you've got these ITU, these short course athletes, they are, they're using that intensity. They've got such a skill set, their transitions, their start, they can really read a race and they're bringing that across and it is revolutionizing um, 70.3 racing and and we saw in two races with eden and christian in cozumel and florida yeah. it's it's only getting quicker for the men and the women are not far behind with the likes of lucy lucy charles as well you're absolutely right and being at ironman florida and seeing uh uh gustav race it's getting splits and i'm going i, I this is a it, it hit me after being in you know part of the sport for so long i go we're, we're breaking this new history barrier. It's happening right in front of our eyes because of, of the times and how fast they're, you know, everybody are going. Uh, the, even for someone like yourself who's still in the thick of it, that's got to be, it's almost got to be like refreshing because you go, you know what, there is no, another level we can go after. Absolutely. I think, um, you know, they say all boats rise on the same tide. And I think, you know, we, we needed that watershed moment and whether it was, um, you know, the likes of Lionel finally, you know, have, you know, stepping up consistently, Jan doing it. But now we've got this wave, you know, you can't name them all on the men's side or the women's because they're just, <laughs> there's just a, there's just a wave of them. And it is, it's exciting and it's um, challenging and you, you, you can't rest on your laurels. You have to think outside the box. You have to change, you know, the way you train, how you train. And, and the other thing that's really changed with the Ironman over the last five, six years is you can race an international world-class race 12 months of the year. It used to be a predominantly North America, European season, but now, you know, we've got the best athletes in the world going toe-to-toe in A condition next weekend in Dubai, and Indian Wells, we had the same, which was December. It just goes to show you the growth and, you know, of the sport for the professionals is, is really, really healthy. And the reason I love that, and, and like you say, it's healthy, is because you know it's going to draw new talent into our sport. It's, it's not like we, you know, love all the pros, but you don't want them to be the same pros 
for for years to come. You want that new talent to come in because I think it raises the level. I don't know. I disagree with that. I quite like if it was just me at the top and everyone behind me. me. (laughs) (laughs) You can edit that. (laughs) No, I don't edit nothing. Oh God, tells me now. (laughs) Nothing wrong with wanting to be at the top. I I love that. With uh, Super League and the arena games and everything, they don't really see themselves in competition with with Ironman or PTO or other triathlon event series out there. Uh, why is that? Um, I think for the Super League, they don't, at the moment, they don't have a mass age group participation. They are trying to sell triathlon as a spectator sport. So there's no real competition for that. Yes, you know, you have the Marathon Masters, you know, your Boston, your Chicago, your New York, London, Tokyo, you know, we watch them, but we're not going to watch the Sacramento Marathon or the Milwaukee Marathon. Um, while they want Super League to really have the best of the best of the best racing over a format that's engaging. So it's not just, you know, like-minded triathletes that watch that someone's going to flick through the channels and go, what is this? Wow, this is fast and furious. This is amazing. And I think they've got a great um, uh, uh, Michael Dulst, who is the CEO. He's got great vision for where they're going and the fact that they've the Arena Games has come out of a pandemic, yet the World Triathlon are recognizing it as an official world title. Um, the Super League next year, we've got some great races, we've got some new venues um, for the end of this year, and they're complementing. They don't put them on the same day as... Ironman races, big Ironman races, and big um, um, world triathlon races as well, because they see that the athletes they want them to all have an equal opportunity to race. They are they are so exciting to watch. I, I just just love it. So let's uh, switch gears a little bit here with your coaching and your Halo ID team with Ian uh, Dempsey. Tell us all about uh, tell us about that team, Tim. Yeah, so Ian, Ian's actually here with me now. He's um, so yeah, Ian and myself. We've um, yeah, we we trained together for the last few years, and we kind of we didn't want to do a team, but we thought this. We've got so much knowledge, and we come from different backgrounds. I've been a triathlete since the nineties. Ian found the sport about five or six years ago. Before then, he led a very unhealthy lifestyle. Um, but now he's a professional. He qualified to get his pro card at the age of forty. So he sees it sees the sport totally different from me. We get on tremendously well. And um, yeah, we've set this club called Halo ID and it's really inexpensive to join. It's kind of like, it's about, I think about 18 US dollars a month to join. And once you join, you get a whole barrage of, of kind of like content from myself and Ian. Lots of it's live. We're running kind of Zwift rides through Zoom as well, you know, with myself and Ian, not just with other people. Um, we, every Monday, we drop a Monday message into everyone's inbox that we record yeah. live the night before of talking all things endurance, whether it's triathlon, cyclocross, run you know formula one anything to do with sport um and we're we're also going to do we're going to have two training days a year which are totally free for our members so they're going to be an in-person training day and every six weeks we're going to do um rncs ride and coffees as well where we meet up for a bike ride and if they wear the team kit i can't believe i said this i'm going to buy everyone coffee so um no swapping jerseys (laughs) here (laughs) um yeah we really want this community because not just through the man with the halo, but when I was younger, when I, I started with a small triathlon club, I was fortunate it was Spencer Smith's triathlon club, but it was. There was maybe only 50, 60 members back in the 90s in a swimming pool in West London. And I still could tell you 
what at least 15, 20 of those guys' names were because I remember them. That's how much wow. of an impact they had on my life when I was so young. And that's the community we want to install. We've got a, we've got some great partners involved, which are going to be offering amazing discounts and free products to our members, but also they're going to be offering their expertise. So we're working with a nutritional company, but we're going to be doing some live Q and A's with the nutritional experts. So we're not just saying, use this product. It's really good. We're going to be telling you how to use it, why to use it. We really want to kind of educate people. And it's not its not for the guys that want to just win their age group in Kona. It's not for the first time. It's everyone can take something out of it. And, um, yeah, it's really exciting. It's quite nervous because, I, I, you know, I know if I do X training, I know it's going to translate to a performance. But this is whole new running a website, organize the member. Yeah, it's, it's really, really exciting but very challenging. And we've only been... We've been live for 10 days now. So we've only literally just launched um, last Friday. Yeah, I saw one of your first videos. I go, God, that is very cool to be able to give back and, and do that. You know, you've trained with a certain and specific triathlon philosophy over the years. You, you've really never missed a season because of a quote-unquote injury. Uh, are you able to transfer that into your coaching, Tim, of of not having people just go so overboard that they do get hurt and be able to try to keep that balance? That's very hard to do, let me tell you. <laughs> Being on the other side of the fence, <laughs> I do yeah, try For that. your personality, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I, struggle's the wrong word, but I, I sometimes battle with some of my Emma Pallant, and she won't mind me saying this. She's racing, there's a new race in Florida this weekend called the couples challenge. And then she's racing yeah. There's a race in Miami the weekend after she's racing, but she wants to race every weekend. And I'm like, you can be good, <laughs> but if you want to be great, you have to sacrifice some of these races. And I've worked with her for just over a year now. And I think slowly she's understanding consistency is key, but sometimes you've, you've got to sacrifice a race and she lives in South Africa. And if you look to get to, to get anywhere that where there's a big race, it's a heck of a long travel. So slowly, slowly, but I also want, I, I also want to kind of educate. I want her to be the captain of her own ship as well. And, you know, I don't want to be one of those coaches that is because I never got on with those coaches who are very dictatorial. They'll be like, do this, you have to do this. If you don't do this, you know, I, I want to have, well, what do you think works for you? Okay. And I've got my philosophy and like we all do, you know, and then we kind of come together and see how it works. And I'm really enjoying that process. And, and it's, it's, I'm learning, you know, from my athletes as well, um, which is, which is brilliant. Um, it really is. Well, you believe coaching is a partnership, which I, uh, some of the most successful coaches in the world really believe they're a partner with their athlete, not a dictator, as you say. And and uh, you're one of them. I mean, I look at Mark Allen and Dave Scott and others, and I, you know, it's a partnership. Even though Dave Scott will tell you right what to do, huh? He'll he'll, uh, yeah, he'll beat not, you up if you want. I was going to say I'm not I'm not saying anything about Dave. He'll find my number and phone me up. <laughs> Having trained, I swam in his swim squad when I lived in Boulder. Man, he's a he's a fierce guy. But us, uh, he's but you know what? He's got a heart of gold. He really has. He's one of the most caring guys out there. I'll say that. He does. He 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 he's the man. That's all we can say, huh? He's the he man. is the man. <laughs> hey, tell us about your uh, being a mentor for the uh, the Zwift Triathlon Academy. What's that all about? 
Yeah, so um, I, I've been a big fan of Zwift and used it for many, many years. And um, they, they have the cycling academy for the females. And if you win the academy, I think the two winners get a pr- professional contract. And the same with the men's side. I think there's one winner and he gets a professional cycling contract. And they really wanted to get that community going within triathlon on Zwift. But they realized it's not as simple because there's obviously swimming. <laughs> and you'd, if you join yeah. a pro cycling team, you're in the team and you travel with them. But triathlon, you know, doesn't work like that. Everyone's got different coaches and we're all over the place. So they came up with this concept of finding um, six athletes that can try and qualify for Kona, that have a really good chance of qualifying for Kona. And then hopefully some of them could podium in Kona. And there's a whole series that I think they had nearly 18,000 people sign up for it. And some people just sign up for it because they want to do the process because there's there's lots of sessions on Zwift. There's lots of races. So it's a, a real good. And then they narrow it down to about 40. And then everyone sends in a video of themselves. And then from that, um, they then pick six. So at the moment we've got six athletes and yeah, they asked me to be a mentor with Sarah True as well. So, um, we've got lots of WhatsApp action going on. It's a, it's the <laughs> lots of WhatsApp groups, but we, we, um, they've also got some great partners. So two weeks ago I was actually in California and we went to Morgan Hill specialized headquarters and we took everyone through the wind tunnel at specialized. They got bike fitted. They got all their equipment. They getting all they're, they're, it's, it's, it's a pretty, it's probably as good as a, a, a young pro kind of deal, the equipment and support, but they don't just want to give it to them and say, off you go, we'll see you. They're really trying to add this kind of mentorship, this support, you know, so they can reach out to us. They've got their own coaches, but if they need advice about race selection, about equipment, um, you know, just about all of a sudden they're having to do a lot more for social media, you know, through the, the academy and that with itself can bring pressure and stress. Um, so yeah. And then from California, we went straight to St. George and it was, I was, um, I was messaging Heather and rock and they sent me the course before it went live. I probably shouldn't have said that as well. <laughs> so we could ride the course, um, the week before, um, Ironman put it on their website. Let me tell you that new Ironman course in St. George is amazing. It is going to be a such an honest race. You're going to be a true world champion there. And yeah, we took them through that. And then, yeah, I just, I just love that interaction. I love, you know, sitting down with like-minded people, talking about triathlon, finding ways that we can maybe find time here, efficiency there, you know, listen to people's stories. Um, yes, yeah, it's, it's, I'm really fortunate to be part of the Academy. I really am. That's very cool. It sounds, sounds fantastic. Uh, but you, you led me right in to my next question because I really wanted to dig in with you about the Ironman World Championships, the 2021 Ironman World Championships in St. George, uh, May 7th. Uh, and, and, you know, I, you actually won the 70.3 there when it was the North America Championship. So you kind of know that course pretty well. But what, what that course, it, it's going to be an equalizer, uh, I truly believe. Give us your take on, on that course and what type of performance and what type of athlete you think is going to be on that podium? You know, I think, I think for the women's race, it's going to favor, favor the brave. Um, you come out the swim and you go on a new road to a very, not the St. George airport. There's a, um, a very tiny airport, but, but it's, it's hilly. I mean, there's over, was that 2000 to nearly 6,000 feet of vertical climbing on the course. But I would say 4,000 comes in the second half. So if you burn your matches 
on the rolling roads around Sandy Hollow, going into St. George before you hit the long, steady climb. And then you come flying down the parkway and then up Snow Canyon. So I definitely think for the women's race, you know, someone like Lucy Charles, Daniela Reef, um, Anna Haag, they swim very differently. Um, Laura Phillips, but they're gonna if they stick to their their guns on the bike, it's it's gonna be such an interesting race. On the men's race, I really think it's gonna come down to a running race because lots of the good runners are really good swimmers, like your Patrick Lang, your Jan Fadino, your Christian, your Gustav, and then you've got Lionel, Sebi, say Sam Long, Ben Hoffman, um, some of those athletes, they're gonna be riding through. So they're gonna use lots of their power on the flat rolling road. And then when they hit the hills, the lighter athletes, the runners, they're gonna be in their element. So that could equalize it. So you could see a big pack coming off the bike. Um, but saying that, one of the um, one of the I don't know Scandinavians, one of the Danish could just take the race and ride away. But it's going to be really interesting. And the bike, the run course is really good to hopscotch. So the way the, the the flow of the run course, if you're a spectator and you're there, there's so many places you can crisscross the course, and I think that's exciting. But I think to have the first ever, well, the first ever non-Hawaiian. I know it's been on other, another island, but the first ever non-Hawaiian, you couldn't pick a better city. I mean, I've raced there three or four times. Yeah. You know, even there was a buzz when I was there two weeks ago. People, we were, you know, a big group with cameras around us. And they're like, oh, you're here for the Ironman. We saw some other athletes training there to get a feel for it. Um, yeah, it's a small town. And with the backdrop of the Red Rocks, man, yeah, it's going to be brilliant. I'm, I'm so fortunate we're going to be there. <laughs> Yeah, it'll be great to see you there. I actually am going to go for a couple of days in March and jump on the bike and get up that canyon and ride some of the course. I just like knowing what, what and, and Rox kind of told me about it. And, and uh, what I love about it, it, they they call it the land of endurance, which it really is. The the Even though as hard as Kona is, Tim, and I'm sure you agree with this, and, and as challenging as St. George is going to be, those make the true championships where you really find out who the cha true champion is, don't you? Absolutely. I think, you know, you're not just racing yourself and your competitors, you're racing what's put in front of you. And, you know, Kona is, is mythical. There's something about it. The fact it's in October, it's the end of the year. The professionals don't have that depth of field in any of the other races. Everyone comes together. Plus, you throw in the wind, the humidity, the heat, even the no wetsuit swim. That's very rare to have a, a, a no yeah. wetsuit swim. You know, there's all these elements. And I think, you know, St. George, in a different way, it's got it's got one of the, the hilliest bike courses. But I still think it's going to be quick. I think they're going to be going, you know, Kona times, if not quicker, um, just with the nature of, you know, we were talking earlier about, you know, how the, you know, everyone's, everyone, excellence creates excellence. Everyone's getting quicker. Yeah. But um, yeah, no, I think it's going to be a true champion. It's not a, it's you know, it's not a velodrome course like you see some of them. You know, it's you've got to have your nutrition, your tactics. You know, your and lots of athletes are not being in that, not used to being in that A shape in May. So someone like Jan, he peaks throughout the year. Um, you know, someone like Daniela Reef, she races very well early on, um, and she's already racing. Lucy Charles, she normally races mid to end of season. Rini, she normally doesn't win anything and then turns up to Kona and smashes. Yeah. So it's going to be interesting to see how the athletes have prepared through, through closer to a European winter. Tim, from the, from the coaching side and, and uh, the managing and mentorship side, I see so much 
fodder out there on social media from the age groupers on St. George. You know, what am I going to do? How am I going to raise? What's the nutrition? What advice would you give to our age group athletes who are racing St. George? Patience. Have to be patience on that course. You know, you're, you're going to get to that lake early on a yellow yellow school bus um, and it's going to be cold. It is going to be cold. You're going to need your woolly hat and your gloves, but it could be um, it could be mid, mid to late 80s um, in the day. But on that bike course, be patient. Wait, wait, wait. And take 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 the recovery on the downhill. It's not like Nice World 70.3s. That's kind of the downhill is like Out d'Huez Tour de France. The downhill is very steady. But make sure you're, you're you're hitting that nutrition. But I think you've got to have patience on that bike and really, really kind of save something for the run because that much climbing, that that later in, is hard to replicate because people, you know, North Americans, they, they can't go out and train massive mountains because they're all covered in snow at the moment. Um, so I just yeah. think patience is, is a key word and believe in your training and the ability to your own race. Uh, I think that is... Perfect advice. Patience. Got to remember that. Hey, Tim, do you, so do you think we're going to have a sub seven for the men and a, and a sub eight for the women? Who, who do you think, who do you think is going to do it first or if anybody at all? I, I, I think the women are going to go sub eight. I think, yeah, Lucy Charles, I mean, what she did in St. George last year and the arena games, she got second in the British 1500 meter swimming champs. She has got a new coach as of last year, Dan, and if they can be stay injury free, I think she's going to go sub eight. Um, on the men's side, I think you're going to see two different tactics. You know, Alistair's a, a different animal, a different personality to Christian when it comes to how they're going to do it. I just hope that they don't maybe don't get too greedy. You know, I know that they're, they're racing in the next couple of weeks. Then they want to they want to win St George, and then I think it's. Four weeks later, they're flying back to Europe for this sub seven. It, to go that quick on the bike, they're going to have to average kind of 31, 32 miles an hour and then run a 230. Even with a pellet, even with athletes that they're allowed to slipstream and draft, that takes some skill, which if you don't practice that skill of riding this close to a wheel at those speeds with people you don't know. So I think, I think. I, I wouldn't underestimate that seven hours, but um, it's going to be exciting. I know that. And they're pushing the boundaries in different ways. And it's great great, it's great to see that. Yeah, it, it is. But I, I think I agree with you on Lucy. Everything just seems, the stars seem to be in a line for her right now from what we've seen in the past. But obviously, every, as you know, as every new season comes up, you never know where their mindset is or what kind of shape they're in. Hold on, everyone. We'll be right back after a message from our sponsors. As an endurance athlete, you're constantly pushing your body to new limits, searching for your personal best for the next finish line. If you're training for an endurance event, whether short distance or long distance, proper recovery is the key to you unlocking your potential. As the official topical pain relief partner for the Ironman US series, Activice's lineup of topical cooling gel Roll-on and spray features 8% menthol and eucalyptus oil to provide the instant icy relief you need to recover smarter and faster. The water-based non-sticky formula withstands sweat to keep up with the demands and exertion of race day. Don't let muscle pain or sprains hold you back from reaching your potential, from reaching your personal best. Shop the Active Ices lineup on Amazon today for the support you need 
to find your finish line. We're talking with Tim Don, uh, three-time Olympian, four-time ITU world champion. You never held back your opinion about anything, and I, and I love that. How do you think the sport of triathlon is doing overall? What's your perspective? What do you think it can do better, or what do you think it's doing that's not so good? You know, coming off a two-year pandemic and considering it's a mass participation sport, it's doing great. Yeah. It really is. I think it's evolving. I just wish, that, and again, I probably probably should, shouldn't say, I wish everyone would come to the same table, whether it's PTO, Ironman, Challenge, and, you know, let's have some synergy here, guys. Let's, 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 let's all work together. Let's not work against each other. Um, but I, I love it. There's new races everywhere, um, and I think that's great for the age groupers. You know, I think you've got lots. You've got, uh, got one in Russia I saw the other day. You've got some in, um, yeah, you, they're, they're every, there's more in Greece. There, 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 are, there are new 70.3s and Ironman races all over the place, and I think that's a testament to you know, the, the desire from the athletes, you know, obviously, you know, the race organizers do their due diligence. They're not going to put in a race if they don't think they're going to fill it. And, you know, the fact that we're, we're adding these races and they're selling out, I think the sport is in a, in a great place and, it, and it's, it's healthy. Um, yeah, I'm really excited. This year's a big year because we've got two Konas plus another St. George. We've got, for, for myself, we've got the Commonwealth Games, um, which are actually in Birmingham in England. So that's a big, big thing for, for the Commonwealth. Yes. Plus the Super League is taking off. The Arena Games is going new. And we've got two new Olympic champions, which are just, yeah, they're just amazing, amazing athletes with uh, Flora and Christian. And, and they're, they're not afraid to stick to... Um, you know, ITU and World Triathlon, they're, they're branching out. And I just think that professionally, I think, I think it's, it, it's pretty healthy. Yeah, I, I, I agree with you. I, I mean, uh, for all the factions to come to the table together, it'd be interesting what topics they could discuss, but I think there'd be a lot to discuss. But I think we're in, like, as I said before, that, that edge of a new era. Uh, and we're seeing it right before our very eyes. Uh, I love it. Hey, before we talk about uh, your upcoming race, you know, you've lived in, obviously, Boulder, the, you know, the UK, South Africa, you've gone to train the Gold Coast, Lanzarote, like you're in now. Uh, but now you've based your home in the, in the UK the last uh, few years. And that transition, how's that worked out? Is it you're doing it because you want that family unit to stay cohesive and have one foundation? Yeah, you know, I'm no spring chicken. And I've, you know, I'm, when I was, I lived in South yes, Africa. Yes, you are. Okay. <laughs> okay, okay. I'm I telling apologize. you right now. <laughs> <laughs> That's good. That's good. I'll, I'll take that. <laughs> um, I've lived all over the world because of my sport. And, um, you know, I met my wife when I was living in South Africa in early 2001. I moved there, um, cause I thought it was the greatest place to train. So, um, after I broke my neck, you know, we decided, you know, it's kind of like, do we try and go for the green card because I had a work visa to train and race in America or do we kind of like move back and, you know, our parents, we, yeah, so we decided to move back and we're fortunate enough. We live near a small, we live in a tiny, tiny village in the middle, in the middle of England, but the biggest town close to us, well, one's Leicester, the other one's one called Loughborough and that's where our Colorado Springs is, our Olympic training center. So I swim every day with the likes of Alex Yee, with Sophie Coldwell and the British Paris squad. We've also got Adam Peaty, the um, a double Olympic gold medalist for a hundred meter breaststroke. You know, so it's a, it's a, it's a but it's, it's not just the athletes. The infrastructure is really good. There's great physios, great masseurs, great strength and conditioning. It's, it, as I say, it's in a tiny village, 
where I live. So it's great riding. So yeah, I, um, I do come to Lanzarote. It's only a four hour flight. So I normally come for 10 days. Then I go home for two or three weeks, come back out. So you can't really bike at the moment in England because it's really wet and damp and we've had everywhere's flooded we live on a river and it's absolutely flooded unfortunately we had these big storms last week um but yeah no i I mean let's be honest i I struggle with the weather i really do it's a summer sport but we make the most of it and you know it's we're doing okay so last week my kelly my wife matilda and hugo they were here with me in lanzarote i'm fortunate i'm sponsored by a hotel here so we can come here quite quite regularly whenever we need to train and yeah they had a great time they got some sun on their sun on their back and then I, I they go back because they've got school um, this week and then I stay out here for another 10 days with, with Ian. So let's talk about that. You're with your buddy, your mate Ian, and you're training for Ironman uh, South Africa, which is what, the first weekend of, of April. Uh, and and you're, in that, you're in that mode now. I'm, you're that professional athlete that you've been doing this a long time and you've got your set your, your sights set on, on that race in South Africa. You want to win it. You want to win it? You know, I do and I, I do, absolutely. But I always think it's, and you got to hear me out here, I always think it's arrogant to go to a race wanting to win it because you can only, con- over eight to eight, nine hours, or you can only control what you can control. And I I can only control me if, if you know, Jan turns up in the shape of his life, fair play. I always want to be in the ballpark to win it and fight for a podium. That's kind of like, how I go because as soon as you you mentally if you say I want to win it I want to win it and all of a sudden you're not in that position you could change your mindset and and you never know what's going to happen because you just could have three hours to go even 10 kilometers of the run a lot a lot can change but yeah right now we're here it's great weather really windy so we're doing lots of miles on the bike really trying to kind of like base really build my endurance up um, and then, um, yeah, when I go home, um, I do a lot more running and swimming specific. And then I'll do another block here. And then I used to live in Stellenbosch just outside of Cape town. So I go there, I think three and a half weeks before the race, that's the plan. And then I'll do my last block there as well. Um, but I've raced there before and it's a great course. It's, it's, it's a real honest, I mean, yeah, the world champs were there. So it's the same, same city. Um, we just do two laps of the bike and I think it's a different run, but very similar. So the bike course is really honest. In fact, last time I raced, they had to shorten the swim because it was so rough. Right. So I'm hoping they don't do that, but yeah, it is what it is. So I, I, I really wish I could uh, be down there and see that, uh, stand next to Paul Kay and, and, uh, have him bring you in. Do you, do you, Tim, put a, do you put a time in your head? Hey, I, you know, that's the, I know the course. I know what kind of shape I'm in. And if I don't go eight, 10, I'll be disappointed. Or if I don't go low eights or do you ever put a time in your head for a course and, and how your training has been going? No, I mean, I would rather win in the slowest time in the world than lose in the quickest time in the second quickest time in the world. You know, that's the thing is we're racing. It's not a, not a time trial. I definitely know, you know, I know numbers. I know what kind, I know what I need to hold and what I I can hold on the bike in terms of my power. So I do like to stick to that. And you know, I'm pretty honest with myself. I, I as I said, you know, I'm, I'm not one of those athletes who's just going to come in there waltzing around like the MMA fighters. You know, I, I'm going to do my homework, and you know, and, until I cross that line, anything can happen. So I'm going to stay present, stay in the moment, and until that. 
but yeah, there's that. You, you definitely go in. You know, I know that that course you can definitely run a two forty five off off a hard bike. I know the bike isn't quick, but you've got to have a good first lap to save energy for the second lap. Um, yeah, so there's different ways I see it. Um, I, I'm guessing not not. I haven't qualified for St George, so not most people who are racing St George probably won't be in um, Ironman South Africa. So it could be a thinner field. So therefore, if I can have a really good swim with a few other athletes, we can really gap, you know, spread the race out from the start. But I'm already thinking tactics. <laughs> yeah, I know. <laughs> I love that. You know, you, you you must also take a look at someone like Cameron Brown, you know, who's won New Zealand 13 times. And and you said, you're no spring chicken. He's he, He's the guy approaching 50. He's closer to 50 than you are. Uh, do you think the uh, in the pro ranks, the, the pros, both male and female, are going, you know what? I can have a career that's going to go into my 40s, and I won't just be out there playing around. I'll still be very competitive. Uh, you must love that. I do. And, and I think it is possible. You, you know, I, I think, you know, with the, what we know now about science in terms of training philosophies and training methods, we can definitely train smarter, you know, back in the day, you know, we said Dave Scott, Mark Allen, you know, they used to just, they used to just kill themselves every day and the strongest yeah. man won. Now you can't afford to do that. It's the smartest trainer. I mean, look at the Norwegians and how Lucy's training and Arna Hard. Um, you know, so, you know, as you get older, yeah, you need to train to your strengths. Um, I think, I think, I think at the moment, I think myself and Cam and a few others, are, we're the back end of that. But I do think in the next five or six years, it's more going to be the mental strain of, of wanting to do that. Because when I got into triathlon, I got into it. It wasn't an Olympic sport. It, it, it was just it was just a bloody lot of fun. And I really loved it. And I wanted to see see how I could go with it. Well, now you're getting eight, nine, 10 year olds who want to be professional triathletes. And that's a lot of pressure. And with this new social world that's only getting bigger and more transparent, um, you know, it's it's. You know, we're not seeing as many ITU guys. You're seeing the top guys, but some of the ones, you know, the, the 20th to 40th in the 50th in the world, they used to always come up, come up to Ironman. Now they're walking away from the sport. It, we're not having the depth. We're having the quality, but not the depth move up the distances. And I just think there's more pressure from federations. There's more more races. There's more, yeah, it's, 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 it's getting tougher to stay right. at the top. I definitely know that. <laughs> How do you think somebody like uh, like an Alex Yee will will handle that, or or what do you think his future looks like? Man, he's a maverick. He's a generation athlete. He really is. I mean, you know what? I mean, he won the obviously the silver medal and then the gold medal. But two months before, people wouldn't have even said he had a chance of winning a medal. Yet once he won that race in Leeds and how he won it, how he turned potential into reality. Ah, I think he's got a bright future, and he, I think he's only about twelve. No, he's he's only he's only early twenties, <laughs> um, and he's got a smart. He's actually wise. I I I was with him um, in London a couple of weeks ago at a premiere that we went to, and he's just got such a wise head. He's not he's not wanting to break records. He's not wanting to set the world on fire. He just wants to improve his craft and and improve his skill. And he knows he's not the, the finished article. He knows he's got work to do on his swimming and his biking yeah this is a guy who's an olympic silver medalist telling me he needs to work on his swimming and you know just that 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 that, that mental commitment and the, the 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 you know focusing on the process is just fantastic so 
you know, I think it was about six six years ago. He had a big bike crash and he really damaged his spine. If you you know, he's he's really been he's really been through the mill, and I just think it's brought him made him more resilient, but more balanced and more level. So yeah, I'd love to see him. I definitely think he'll do seventy point three. Will he do Ironman? I think that could be scary with his run talent. I mean, he's a twenty seven minute ten k runner. That is that 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 could be amazing to see. That is when you start seeing some of the 10 K times of these guys. And when I was running 10 Ks and I was happy with, you know, 34 minutes and you gave everything you had and it was just a 10 K and they're running 27 off the bike. I go, well, wait, that's not, that's not possible, but it is possible for guys uh, like that. That's next sure. level. Next level. Yeah, yeah, it is. Uh, Tim, but my last question on, find your finish line comes out of, uh, as you know, I'm in Southern California here in San Diego and below us is the Baja of Mexico. And they have a race there called Baja 1000, which is a, uh, uh, truck trophy truck and car racing 1000 miles to the desert. And all those racers afterwards, they sit around, you know, the table afterwards and they call it table racing where they reminisce about the race. You know, what went on, what happened, their memory. I call it tri table racing. Give me, Give me a memory or a reminisce about an event that you did, whether you were a, you know, 16 year old or, or last year that still sticks out in your mind. Oh man. Let's say you race for two hours and you can talk for it for two weeks. I totally agree with you. Yeah. I don't know. I think, um, years and years ago, I was coached by a, a coach. We were based in Switzerland and we did, um, the outdoors triathlon. So you swim in this crazy cold lake because it's in the bottom of the Alps. You ride 30 kilometers flat and then you go up outdoors and then you're at altitude 1,800 meters. So I don't know, like 6,000 feet. Um, and then you do the, so, yeah. yeah, then you do the, the half marathon up there. Um, so it was a long run. And, um, for me, just like that, I just I still remember. And it's always on a Thursday. It's always on Bastille day. Um, so that was, that was, that was just awesome. And then um, afterwards, we rode home to Switzerland, and it took us three days. <laughs> Probably a bit crazy, <laughs> but um, yeah, I just love that. It was just, it was just brilliant. And we were just like, we were just talking about the race for three days. Yeah, and we'd stop, have a few beers, carry on riding. Yeah, and um, yeah, I just, and then years before then, in 1998, I went out doers to train for eight weeks. Um, I was racing for a French team um, when I was a junior. And, um, yeah, so just that, that iconic climb, I know it so well and, um, yeah, to do a triathlon on that and then, yeah, just talk about it. I just loved it. It was, yeah, good. Uh, really good. Well, we share, we share the Alpe d'Huez. Uh, I did a camp there with Jimmy Riccatello, who, you know, very well. And, uh, we went up that thing. Uh, we did it three times. The last time was the time trial. And he looked at me and he goes, Riley, you better break. I think he said 118, you better break 118 going up. And I went like 117, and all the way up, I'm almost crying. I go, it's like Jimmy was my father. I got to break every switchback, you know, I'm doing like three miles an hour, and my legs are, I'm, but I did. I, I get up there, and I showed him my watch. He goes, all right. He goes, I thought you'd go a little faster than that. I wanted to punch him out. <laughs> <laughs> oh, but it's such but what a, a great an emotional climb. road. It's beautiful. It really is yeah, amazing. It, it is an, that, that put very well. It was an emotional road. Yeah. That really no, was. It is. Well. Yeah. Tim, I, I, you are uh, you are a class act, and and the sport of triathlon is very fortunate to have you. 
uh, and now have you as a mentor and a coach. But still, I can't wait to watch the race, uh, you know, uh, online from South Africa and, and see how you do down there. So good luck with all your training. Uh, say hello to the family. I know Kelly is your is your rock and the kids Definitely. are, you know, right there with you. So uh, take care of yourself and thanks for being a guest. No, thank you for having me. And yeah, yeah and I look forward to seeing you in St. George. St. George, baby. At least we can stand by the sideline and not have to worry about running or riding that thing, huh? I know, yeah. We can, we can relax as much as you can at an Ironman. I know it's, well, it's a big day for you as well. <laughs> well, thank you very much, Tim. And thank you, everybody, for another edition of Listening to Find Your Finish Line, presented by Activice. It's like I'm losing my voice. I don't know why. Presented by Activize, the official topical pain relief partner of Ironman. Find it today on Amazon, Walmart, and Ironman.com. Thank you again, and if you like the show, please give us a review. You can do that through Spotify or Overcast or Apple Podcasts. Until next time, everybody, carry that aloha spirit with you. It'll get you through day by day. Take care.